Hello, everyone. A very quick one from me. It would be a massive help to us with our ambition to help as many recruiters as possible achieve their goals and also inspire the next generation to choose recruitment as a career if you hit that follow and subscribe button. If you're someone that prefers to learn in a visual way, we've also recently invested a lot in our video podcast experience. So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. I'm your host, Tisha Mazuz, and on this week's episode, I was joined by Megan from Few and Far. Megan's worked in the recruitment industry for just over six years, uh, and in this time, she's continued to progress her career, where more recently, over the last three years with Few and Far, she's progressed all the way to Associate Director. She's always been within the tech space, always been a permanent recruiter. Her best year to date has been 330 grand with her best performing month being 82 grand, which she still hasn't quite been able to top. Now in this conversation, we go into, if I'm honest, mindset. What it takes to be a continuous top performer that's always trying to level up their game and progress their career. Megan is really committed to her craft and her career, which she talks a lot about, and the sacrifices that have had to come with that during her early career. We also talk about her journey with leadership, where she always got told that she'd be a great manager, but liked the idea of just focusing on her own biddings and performance. But over the last couple of years, that's really changed and she's been on a really great journey in getting the most out of her team while still fulfilling her own potential. So let's get into this week's episode. Megan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for making the trip. Obviously recently moved. Yes. I'm an, apparently an Essex girl now. But... Yeah. I don't, I don't think that will come into fruition. I, I don't feel like it. Where did you grow up? A place called Scunthorpe in North Lincolnshire. I was trying to work out your accent. I wasn't yeah. sure where that was from. I think after like nine, nine, nearly 10 years in London, it's like, I don't know. People can never guess where I'm from. Yeah, Some people pick unique. up on it. Yeah. <laughs> so really excited to sit down with you today. There's a lot that I know that we want to cover. As always, I'd just like to give everyone listening just some immediate context of of your journey. So, you know, you're coming up to a decade in recruitment. What am I? Yeah. Three years, three years, 18 months, pretty much. Okay. You know. Crazy. Yeah. I think you're it's on, like you're on, on the path to a decade in, in recruitment, right? So yeah, that, that's mad. In terms of some of the, the highlights on, on this journey so far. So you started your recruitment career in 2016 yeah. in the dot net market, but specifically just the FS market in London. Mm. It was super niche, right? Mm. So work for that initial company for three years. You was always an individual contributor at that company. Your best year, I think this still today. I might be wrong, but yeah, yeah be- best year today, three thirty. Biggest month, eighty two. Still haven't been able to crack that. No, That's so big, annoying. Mate. That is big. <laughs> so first three years was there. Then joined another company, and then for the last three years, which is the journey that we're going to really uh, focus on, you've been at Few and Far, mm-hmm. and you've ultimately just progressed the ranks all the way to AD. Associate director. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a team of three, four. Yeah, 
got yeah. three people with me right now. I know in terms of something you was really proud of last year, you guys as a team did 700, which was a big number for you guys in that sub team. Mm. You personally did 227 last year. And we're here to talk about this journey that you've been on. Yeah. So let, let's start with the million pound question. And if you've gone on this journey to you know hire people for your team, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on the characteristics and traits that you believe make up a, a highly successful recruit in today's market? I would say the number one thing that I look for and that looking back I think is so important is mindset, like a positive mindset and attitude because it stems into everything that you do, like every conversation you have, like let's face it, there's some awful days in recruitment where like you finish today and just like, why do I do this? So I think like having that ability to come in the next day and think, right, you've shrugged it off, let's go again. I think that's super important because it is so up and down like mm. it's important to like know know yourself enough to be like resilient like know how you're gonna like bounce back come back in the next day let's do it again along with that I think is like that that drive and like desire to be good at something and hard work yeah especially in like the, the first three years like I was a bit of a monster like just ob- obsessed working like ridiculous hours like literally wake up go to work go home sleep repeat Mm. for years that's not the right thing to do like there's definitely a balance there but I think you you need to you need to be driven and inside know your why as well right like you know recruitment is about ultimately you you can make good money but you need to know like why you're doing this because it's not it's not easy Mm. alongside that I think just being like authentic and quite like likable of course like it's all about relationships right like you're speaking to people day in day out so I think that's a really key thing as well and yeah I think I think it just helps to to like find something that you enjoy within it that you can every day like not think it's like god what what (laughs) terrible job like and kind of like yeah just like really want to better yourself I think those things are are really important you can teach the skill right everyone always says this like I've had someone who had like a couple months experience but they had the right attitude and teach them the skills and now they're like smashing it so (laughs) so much of it is is a mindset isn't it so what I wanted to start with, what was very apparent when we prepared for this was like the work ethic piece. Because yeah. I think that's something that you feel quite proud of. Mm. Current for, I don't know. And then I, like I said to you, I um, I messaged uh, Sam, one of the founders <laughs> of Fiam Far. And like, that was one of the first things that he said. Like Megan's probably one of the, the hardest working people in the room. And I know if I give her a task or whatever, I know she'll fucking get it done. Where's this stem from like have you felt like um, maybe it's like evolved over time because like you said to me those first three years in recruitment like you just absolutely just committed everything mm. which obviously meant other things sacrificed right whether mm. that be your well-being the social side of things whatever I don't know mm. why is that important to you have you always felt like since coming to London you've got a point to prove you've got a chip in your shoulder I don't know you tell us because that's something that you I picked up on quite quickly like I work my absolute fucking socks off and I will make shit happen yeah, I, I remember even in my, like, before I was in recruitment and, like, when I was graduating in my first interview, I remember they asked, like, where does this, like, drive come from? Because I was at uni and I was, like, I hadn't got my final degree, but I was, like, I'm going to get a first. And they're, like, how do you know? And I was, like, because I just am. <laughs> um, it's a weird thing. Like, I've obviously reflected on it a lot over recruitment. I don't, I think it, it does stem a little bit from moving to London, being from, like, you know, a really small town area. I think there is that 
slight element of like point to prove. My brother was really successful. Like when I got into recruitment, he owned a recruitment company. Really? We've, we've always had a bit of like oh, healthy competition. That's definitely a part of it. Um, he's an accountant now, so it's all right. Um, <laughs> it's a strange thing, but it just comes from, I think within like just wanting to make a name for myself and every day like be better, like be good at what I do because it's bordering on like toxic like competitiveness but it's like if you don't want to be the best at something what's the point mm. like there is a there's a balance to that but yeah it's just a weird thing within me like I can't I can't just I don't want to be average yeah and I try and instill that into my team as well I'm just curious because I don't know I don't know how many people you've interviewed or met for your like your team and stuff mm -hmm. but just speaking to a lot of leaders, managers, recruitment owners, past six, 12 months, definitely generalization. Here, and I've said it before, but definitely from the conversations I've had, people feel like they don't have a lot of people they meet that don't have what you're describing, but still expect, you know, the six figures and everything that comes with being great in recruitment, mm. but you know, are going to come in at nine, finish at five thirty. I don't know, like, it's, I don't know if you're, if you found yourself, you come across that less and less in people. Mm, when it comes to interviewing, I remember we, we were running, we call it a talent scout academy, just sort of people that have no experience in recruitment. We were interviewing, like, I probably interviewed maybe like 30 people and I okay. only said yes to like two or three. I remember the internal recruit was like, you are just ridiculous. Like, you're so hard to please. But yeah, I think it is important. Like, you, it's hard to fish that out, right? You can't just like interview someone like, are you going <laughs> to... You know, sacrifice things like to to get where you want to be. I think it is quite hard to find, but if someone is like, if someone comes in, they're like, I I want this, like I want to be good at something. Then you know they're like mm. get to know a little bit about their why. Like, why would you want to do that? I think that helps. Do you think you would have? I like have my own thoughts on this in terms of. I think when you were saying there around like it's sort of, you know, borderline toxic and there's balance there. Mm. For me, I, I think like I'm in no position to say what's too much for Megan in terms of like, you know, the work, how much work you're putting in and these things. I do think it's, it is very individual. But I think it's it's up to the individual if they want to, you know, put a lot of uh, energy and time into work or for me, I really like to view things as seasons, as chapters. Like right now I'm in the season of like, I really need to put a lot of time into work. However, when I'm not in work, I have to be really good at being present and like, you know, not 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 being there. But I think, you know, it's it's almost gone the other way now where work ethic and working really hard and doing these things is also almost seen as like a bad thing and like you shouldn't be doing that. So do you think you would have done those sorts of numbers in those first three years without that sacrifice? Probably not. Probably not, to be honest. I think I would have, again, probably would have been like, you know, average to good, but I wanted to be great. And I knew that if I put in those extra hour, two hours after the work hours finished, like that was going to gain me that extra step. Mm. So I probably wouldn't have. I think a lot of it did stem down to almost obsessed. So what did those days look like then? Like in terms of like how long did they, when did they start? When did they finish? When you was like all in on like recruitment, mm. just like I am going to be the best. Here. I'm going to outwork all of you. Like, I've got a point to prove. Like, what did, the, like, a normal day look like? So I remember I used to get in the office for about half seven, okay. sometimes earlier. Mm. We'd be, like, on the phones for eight. So before then, I remember I was I was sharing a market with other people as well, like, other people in the market. So back back then, like, we, we mainly, like, we did a lot of, like, job board, like, you know, to sweep candidates. Like, we didn't have a recruiter license. So I would be like, I'm going to be the first one in because I'm going to be the first 
one that goes on the job board, see see who's come in overnight and I'm going to be the first one to contact them. Like, mm. so then that was very like KPI heavy. Like the days would fly because you're just on the phone all the time. And then, yeah, that, that it was a lot of like phone based. And then they would finish probably eight, sometimes nine. I remember the MD once was like, get out of the office and I was like no like need to finish this one thing no. so yeah some, sometimes it was it was that heavy like literally half seven till like eight half eight yeah sometimes later that was fairly normal yeah so what was the sacrifice then what happened on like yeah what was the sacrifice during those periods for you I think the sacrifice was having no downtime in the week like as well as that like met loads of good people there because we're all sort of like share similar values and doing a similar thing so I think that led to a lot of burnout ultimately like I sacrificed like my own sort of like well-being and mental health a lot I got burnt out so much and also because I was like in this weird obsessive thing like I refused to take holiday days like I think I think it was something ridiculous where I'd finished the year on like 20 days left or something obscene like that really? which looking back is like so dumb like why was I doing that was you aware you was doing it while she was in that like kind of but I think that was like my be all and end all like my purpose to it because mm. also like living in London let's face it is expensive right you're in it for the commission like I was mm. gotta pay the rent pay the bills so I was also really driven to that like I remember back then I was living in like Hendon like northwest London it was always my goal that I really wanted to move to Canary Wharf and I was like really? yeah that was like always my goal three years later I did so I lived there for like six years and but yeah I think the sacrifice was just like living a life you know the phrase like I was living living to work not working to live mm. and now I try I try find that balance for sure like last year went on like three holidays this year I've been on two like that's definitely like shrugged off me now but yeah please don't overwork yourself you gotta live somewhat of a life and then just to wrap this up though like would you change it though <sighs> that's the thing yeah that's the thing <laughs> like I think I think I would make small changes like I wouldn't have been so like all in like I would have took a week off like mm. gone so like gone if you, what you're saying is like definitely wouldn't you're like you know what no I think you obviously would have learned a lot you committed to it so much would mm. have come from that but if you took that week off I'm sure you still would have got to where you got to yeah I think looking back I would have took more breaks because that also makes you better as well right when you're well rested and also have that time for self-reflection you can come back in even even better like I, I had a holiday the end of June came back and was like feeling amazing like mm. so so up for it like you don't realize like but you need those breaks mm. to kind of like yeah just reflect on what's gone well what what hasn't changes you want to make so yeah yeah it's hard mm. it is hard in the early days it's tough mm-hmm so something that I found interesting when we were preparing for this was how you said that a lot of the time you were told that you'd make a good manager, but you really wanted to mm. just focus on doing deals, mm. worrying about yourself. Why was that? Before we go right back to the conversation, I wanted to take a moment to tell you about one of our podcast partners, One Up Sales. So let's talk about getting the most from your existing recruitment consultants. It's not always about expanding the team, especially now, but maximizing the potential of those already with you. And that's precisely what OneUp Sales, our podcast sponsor, can help you do. Their robust sales performance management platform offers a unique blend of transparency, competition, 
and motivation. They help you to identify the areas your consultants excel in and those where they could use a boost. With personalized targets, real-time performance tracking and engaging rewards, your team will be motivated to achieve more and more. With 1UP Sales, you're not just supervising your consultants, you're fueling their ambition. So why settle for good when you can get 1UP and be great? Because you listen to this podcast, you get a unique offer, which is 10% off each user on the platform. Use the link in the show notes to get your hands on that offer to check out 1UP Sales so it can help you get more out of your current team. Now let's get back to the conversation. I think it was just this thing where like it was a realization like, I'm devoting all this time to myself like I don't have more time to give to someone else um I think I was just really like driven to be like I'm doing this for me like I don't want a team I don't want to manage and I said that for ages like at all my companies it's like be a good manager I was like no so yeah I think it's only since coming to few and far that I actually realized like actually I probably would now I'm somewhere that I really enjoy and like fully aligned to the values of the company and I'm not working like a dog like I I can dedicate some time and like I've now realized actually that gives me so much Mm. like impacting other people seeing them progress so yeah it's just uh I think comfortability and just like a realization also thing of like I don't want to be like a IC for life you know Mm. like I wanted to I didn't know what was next from there but yeah it's definitely the best decision for me for sure yeah so I'm really keen to go into the the management leadership piece I guess what what would be really interesting for people then? Like I I asked you, didn't I? Like if younger Megan was listening to this conversation, like what is it that you know you'd love us to talk about, or things that you'd be really interested in? We've spoken a lot about working a lot and putting in uh, the hours and just being really committed. So I think you know one of the things that you said was like you know if I if Megan was listening to this like three years ago, what you'd be really interested in is like how you can get more out of your your time, mm. right? Because there's a lot to be said like you know work smart not harder that mm. whole phrase. So there'll be a lot of people listening to this that might be on that hamster wheel or might be on that, right, I'm just absolutely, I'm in the phase where I need to just put the hours in. But we've got the the luxury of, of hindsight now. So like, you know, looking back at that period or just looking back at the, the years that you've worked really hard, you put the hours in. You know, what have been some of the things which I'm sure over time you've, you've had to just improve on and get better at so you're not just working for work's sake because... Let's be honest, if you're working half seven, eight till whatever time, there's going to be periods in that time where you're not being productive. Mm. So like, what have you learned through that period, you know, or throughout this journey to be like, right, this is how I set myself up to make sure that I actually feel productive at the end of the day and I'm getting close to the outcomes that I want. Yeah, I think a big thing of that is like managing your time. Mm. Like sometimes I feel like there's just not enough hours in the day to do what I want to do, but I have to be realistic. I set myself goals, whether that's like yearly, break it down into quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily. So now I come in and I'm not trying to do like a hundred things. I'm doing 10 things, but I'm doing them really well. Mm. And that's still going to get, like, it's things that are going to take you a step further to to the year goal. You know, like, you just, re- I've learned a lot more to break that down and learn that well enough where I can help my team do that as well. So what does that look like then? Because I'm assuming you didn't do that when you was in the early years. Not really. I think that was just, like, speak to as many people as you could physically just input, could. Input, yeah. Input, as yeah. Input impossible. Whereas now I think it's just being more, like, selective with with what you do who you speak to so 
If you just break down a year, then what do you just break down your yearly target? Yeah, pretty much. Like it, it definitely helps to focus on, you know, promotions you want to achieve, other other things that you want to do in the job, but also outside of the job as well. Like like we said, that why, you know, like I want to bill X amount. Okay, let, how much commission will that bring in? What do you want to do with that? And then working backwards from there and keep like revisiting those goals. So yeah, it just, just helps to like, have goals then then you know if you've had a good week or not or a good a good month or not say if you haven't i don't know say if you haven't build in a month like again comes back to the positive attitude like how do you still look back and be like you know what i still did that and that that's got me a step closer to to doing a great month the month after so that you're not like just falling into a, a negative hole of like god damn i'm bad at this um so i just think it helps to have like realistic weekly plans and divide that into your days nice give me an example mate because i think that'd be helpful for people so i guess on a monthly basis like you're looking at like i want you know the team say like i want to bill x amount because mm-hmm. i want to do x with the money like mm-hmm. i'm planning this later in the year or whatever i want to pay off this credit card whatever so it's like okay well how are you going to do that what jobs are you are you working like i think i rely a lot on like ratios as well i think that's always really good to look at so like okay i want to do three deals all right well how many cvs do you send to do a deal so let's break that down into week by week so how many cvs can you send a week just relying on the data knowing what works for each person i think no one's weekly plan is the same as well because you all have different ratios you're all doing slightly different things at different like skill levels and things like, yeah, you know, how many people do you want to meet? Like I try, like how many events do you want to go to this month or, or quarter? Even down to things like how many times do you want to post on LinkedIn this week? It's like spinning all those plates, doing different things. Like, you know, how many companies do you want to aim to reach out to? Mm. What are the key ratios that you always keep an eye on? I think CV to placement is always like a, a one that I'm, I like to be like proud of that we've done. Like I think mine this year is like six or seven to a placement which I'm like super happy with mm. and yeah I think CV to first as well because if it's like too high then you know that you didn't qualify the job right or you really don't understand what you're looking for at all so yeah those are the key things that I tend to look at to be fair yeah I think it's so it is so helpful to break it all down I wish I did way more of that when even like now you know trying to grow a business like there's so many different plates and it yeah like I've tried to incorporate these things and anchoring them back to the quarterly goal or the yearly goal and then, you know, working back from there. It does help a lot because I think we can all fall into the trap of like setting a goal and then sort of Mm. not looking at it again or not speaking about it again until we get closer to it. So that's super interesting then. I guess, how have you found this year? It's been pretty tough. I think every recruiter will say that. It's definitely getting better now. Like I'm feeling way more positive the past like couple months, but earlier this year was... Mm -hmm really tough like yeah the team the business haven't had best the best start to the year but you know as we know in the tech market just a few of my clients didn't get their next funding round some of them just went bust you know mm. had, to, had to like let go of people that had placed there a lot of layoffs as we know now a big thing of like companies that are hiring it's well you know we're just sticking an advert out we've got all these amazing people and they're gonna apply to us but and i think it's like yeah there's, there's a lot of variables in it that's made it a lot tougher to be honest just on the jobs that yeah, we've had i wanted to ask you around like because the most common thing that you know the people that i've continued to speak to have struggled with is yeah consistently being able to you know acquire good quality jobs so like what have you found yourself really leaning into or what business development strategies have really worked for you so far this year because it has been tough for most people that i've spoken to 
it's got to be network and relationships like it just has to be that's number one mm. like i do do some like cold stuff sometimes that pays off but for the most part it's all about like who you know like it's that domino effect of you know maybe what i did seven years ago is now like coming to to help me now but yeah i think it's about who you know and like having given people amazing experiences they're going to come back to you like as an example after like after this today I've got an intro call with a company the candidate that I know that works there like introduced me to their team because they're making a hire like I never placed him but he was you know goddamn happy with with the service that I gave him everything I've helped him with and having a good relationship with him like I even just helps his girlfriend do a CV like who, mm. who works in like sales so it's just like having those like yeah relationships I think that's like again another conversation this month someone that to be fair, I'd placed them in the past, but they've gone somewhere new. They're struggling on a roll and he's mentioned my name and they've reached out to me to chat. So I think that's really important. That all stems from the work that you do every day and, and is like making sure you give it your best, that you adjust yourself, you, you like give people an amazing experience. You go above and beyond like wherever you can. I think that's always going to yield like the best results. Curious. I was speaking to someone about this yesterday, actually, so it's top of mind. I'm in complete agreement with you. I think most people would. But I think what a lot of people are curious about is, like, how you go about building those relationships. Mm -hmm. I know you said really double down on experience and delivering great experience. But someone I wanted to ask you, I know you've... I don't know how it works exactly in your industry, but I'm assuming there's still very much a lot of remote working or not. Mm, I think there's been a big shift, to be honest, Okay, the, re- the reason why I asked is, um, I was speaking to someone yesterday and they were just really curious about, because they're in agreement, they approach things how you approach things, but they were very much like, how do people build good quality relationships for a screen? Yeah, that's so true. The two examples I gave just then, like one of them lives in Germany, one of them lives in Spain. Like I've never met them face to face. So I think it's about having like multiple touch points, like Obviously, I do that and like once I've reached out to someone, say like I always do as much as you can on video call, at least then you're Mm. as face to face as you can be and just keeping in touch with them. Like, yeah, weirdly, I was thinking about this this morning as well. well. Um, Just like how different it is when you can meet some like if if they're in London, great, you can go go meet Mm. them. But when you've never met someone in real life, but you're so close to them, like it's just a bit of a because it is a skill. Yeah. Like being able to, you know, join a Google Meets or whatever mm. and to sort of connect with the person on the other side of the screen. Yeah, I think just all stems down to being like authentic and having like their best interests, asking, how, you know, if you can help them with anything else mm. and go do it. And then, yeah, just like speaking to them really often, like if they're in process with you, obviously, like giving them even if there's no update, giving them an update, like that's what's going to yield them to think oh, that was such a good experience working Megan. Mm. And yeah, being interested in their life and things like that, that always helps because then you've got all other things to chat about. Just try and find out actually who they are as a person. Yeah, exactly. Don't be a transactional recruiter. Like I think we all know that, but have a genuine interest in them. Build that friendship almost. Mm. So you said experience. I'm just curious, like what are some of the things that you think you know, you do really well that equates to a candidate or even a client going, that was, we didn't end up going with Megan's candidate or I didn't actually take the job that Megan got offered to me. I went to another company, but it was still a great, fantastic experience. What does that actually mean? What are some of those things that do you think you're, you've done? And I'm sure these have evolved over time. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that actually look like? What are some of the things that you're doing throughout the either client or candidate process that equates to a great experience? 
I think it comes down to the communication piece being like, like I said, if, if you don't have anything to even update them on, just let them know that, you know, I've not had any feedback yet, like how's things going, being really like involved in their process as well. Like, so let's say you prepare someone really well, like that could be on the phone and you send an email. Like I've made like over my career, like a, a general first interview preparation, like playbook. And me and my team use that. So I make sure that like it's, I feel it's like a foolproof way to not, to pass a first interview, making like bespoke prep for each company that you work with. And candidates really appreciate that, right? Because then they're not going in blind. Like sometimes I do say like, it's probably overkill, but I'd rather you're over prepped than under. And they always really appreciate that. Doing, you know, when they're f- like a little good luck text before, when they're finished, you've got a debrief booked in and then you're just having a chat, a chat with them about how it went, how they're feeling. Delivering that straight back to the client. So this like really like smooth process where everyone knows, everyone knows what's going on. Mm. And yeah, like I said, that piece around like having everyone's kind of best interests at heart, which is sometimes hard to do, hard to please everyone. But um you know, if like knowing what other people ha- have going on, trying to like really relay it back to that initial conversation you've had with someone where you understand their motivations, like you understand where they want to be in three, five years time and kind of like career coaching them almost like even if that's not for your role, if we're like, yeah, they're not going to take it, but I'll, I'll still help coach them towards the other two opportunities they mm. have. As well as that, like if someone say like falls out of process with me, like let's say that they're, they're unsuccessful in the interview where I can, like I if I see like a like a, a company hiring for a role that I think they'd be interested in, then I'll send it to them. Um, even though you're not working at Yeah, it happened the other day. I know this, um, who's like a head of eng CTO and he's really into cars. And I saw this like car company hiring for a head of engineering. They've got back to me in the past and said like, absolutely not looking to work with agency. So I just sent it to him and was like, this looks perfect for you. He's like, thank you so much. Just doing little things like that. Mm. Like if someone's struggling in their search, even like a like on the client side, like I, I was working with someone in talent, they got made redundant and I've been been helping them like just completely free. You know, I'm not lo- looking to get looking to get fee out of it, but companies I'm speaking to, I'm asking, do you, do you actually need a remote anyone like remote in talent like this is when mm. I worked on this is what they've done do you want do you want to chat to them and also like if I see things on LinkedIn you know companies hire and send it to them like thought oh, this looks good for you so it's little things like that where all those up yeah and I do that autonomously I don't like I think it's just ingrained in me now just like just try and help people where you can because that's what's gonna reap your rewards you know that's the experience um, I'm a huge believer in paying it forward because yeah, yeah. yeah it's just got a funny way of coming back like you've experienced like recently and I'm sure you've just got like it, why it's probably become just so you know unconscious for you to do it is because mm-hmm. you one you know it's the right thing to do and two although you're not expecting anything at some point there'll probably be something that happens where you're like oh like this is lovely like I yeah. helped this person six months ago and then do, do you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I'm just a huge believer in that karma yeah yeah just just karma as a whole Mm -hmm. but obviously appreciate sometimes that if you that can be hard it's also hard to see like where that can just how that's going to play out especially as you're trying to build your career right Mm. it's like you know you can't go into one of your managers like yeah but i've like helped loads of people mate like (laughs) yeah yeah, (laughs) you know what i mean yeah but i I appreciate you sharing all that i guess just to get granular for a sec because i think it'd be interesting for people as you were talking about it it just popped into my head more on like the candidate side, just out of interest, because clearly you've had some intros recently and then that f- that's ended up in client opportunities. Like, what do the typical steps look like in terms of your process? So like if 
they're going for uh, they're interviewing for a job that you have. I know every company has different interview processes. Let's say they have a two stage interview process. What happens on each step? How do you approach it? Because I'm sure this is where you thought about experience. Because like you said, okay, first interview, you know, we're going to have a call. We're going to go through my playbook, or I don't know what the steps are. But would you mind just talking through that? Because I think that'd be helpful for people, or at least interesting on mm-hmm. like you know the typical journey that you take people on at each stage or like leading up to interviewing. I think that'd be interesting for people. We'll get right back into the conversation in a moment. But before we do, I wanted to tell you about one of our longtime podcast partners, Vincere. So ask yourself this, is your team feeling the effects of manual data entry and outdated processes? Relegate repetitive and monotonous tasks to Vincere, your all-in-one recruitment operating system. Imagine a few extra hands helping you sift through the busy work day in, day out. That's the benefit of Vincere's automation tools and features. From interview scheduling, automated templates, CV formatting, reporting, and more. You're going to reduce error rates, streamline compliance, and accelerate return on investment. It works like magic. And the best part, you keep morale high and productivity goes through the roof. Today's episode is kindly sponsored by Vincere, the top-rated recruitment software by Trustradius in 2023. You get an exclusive offer for listening to this podcast, which is 10% off the user price. Reach out to the team and arrange a quick demo or use a link in the show notes to book an exploratory call and get your hands on that exclusive offer and start using great tools within their all-in-one platform like automation. I think it does all start with that initial, we we call it like pre-screen, but like that first call with them. Mm -hmm it's so so important to find out as much as you can about about them like what they've done their strengths but most importantly like what they want to do next like their underlying motivations like what's important to them all of their preferences and you know make make sure that you've got a role that actually aligns to that like don't try and shoo them into something that Mm. you you know is not not going to be right what do people Um, because you see this with your team sorry to button but what do people often miss at that stage because you've started there and i love that you started that well it all starts when you start to first speak to megan the candidate and actually do a good job of understanding what's important to them Mm. where do people normally go wrong there a few things really like i think i think you can overlook like what is deeply deeply important to someone like what's like the types of progression that they want to get i think Mm. You want someone to ideally stay there for a while, right? But if if you're like speaking to someone and they want to be in a different career path in three years' time, you need to know what what is truly important for them. That's going to like gain them that experience to get to where they want to be. I think that can be skipped, and then later down the line, they're like, "Oh, it doesn't really match up with my mm. my future. Like this is a better long term option for me." What else do people miss? I think that's like the the main thing. I think it all stems from just like aligning to someone's motivations are. I think if you miss that, like it's it's never going to work. Or well, I guess um, it's I guess people can get it, but when I speak to managers a lot of the time, it's like they can get it at a surface level. Yeah, and they don't ask the second question of like, why is that important to you? Or why yeah, do you want to go there? Yeah, it's rather than me asking you, going, yeah, I really want to become a CTO in three years. Mm. Okay, great. Yeah, and what salary are you looking for? Do you know what I mean? It's not like, well, why yeah. do you want to be? A CTO. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why? What do you think is missing to get there? Okay. Well, in this opportunity, you could gain this, this, and this, mm. which is going to help help you to get to that next step. And yeah, just just those whys. Like, someone's like, oh, I really need remote working. Okay, cool. But like, knowing why, like, this happened recently. Like, why? Well, there are 
single parent they've got two kids that are in school like they, they need mm. they do all the school school runs like okay cool that that's why it's you know just just knowing that extra information is going to really help you to like match align them to something mm. so it all starts with the pre-screen yeah what we're saying after that i think it sounds weird one of the things i love doing is like talking about an opportunity like i really like i love working with startups when i'm with founders when i know the business inside out and it's like telling them that story of that company like what they do the role where it could take you like I love like sometimes I can spend like 15 minutes just talking and like oh, I'm running out of time but I think just like getting them engaged into that opportunity and not just like this is the role this is the tech stack mm. cool but like really like getting into the grain like and getting their true thoughts after that like okay what questions have you got like any like concerns on just the opportunity things have said from there Obviously, it depends on them going forward. The preparation piece, like I said, making like bespoke preparation because we're recruiters, like we know how to interview. We help people interview, but some, you know, say this person's not interviewed in a few years, like it might be a bit rusty. You want them to be on their top form and help them. So if someone's not feeling that confident, you could do like a little like interview prep, like almost like role play, like, you know, ask them if they want that. Don't sort of push it on someone, but... From there, like I said, before that interview, you know, people get interview nerves. Like on that day, just wish them good luck. Any last questions, things like that. Have that debrief booked in. For me, it's like always booked in again on a video call, like hear them out, how it all went. Just all the questions about if it's the right opportunity for them. Don't be afraid to ask them if there's any concerns, like because you wanted to make it happen. But ask them, like, is there any like, you know, red flags, yellow flags almost? Like what questions have you still got in mind? Like really just knowing what you need to then ideally you'd advise the client to like you know they really want to find out more about this in the next round and then yeah like throughout the process just those multiple touch points and you do normally and then into the next stage do you have another prep yeah normally in between it's always different in tech of what like the second the following stages look like but if it's a a new client just going with like what you think might be relevant and again you say like this is what i think is gonna, this is what similar clients who do a similar interview process have said. Like, not you know, it's not gospel, but I hope it helps sort of thing. And, yeah, just following that all, all the way through, like, just making sure that they are happy, that they're constantly excited about it. But I think that helps having a fast process because, you know, if there's, like, two-week gaps, then they kind of, like, lose that momentum, lose that enthusiasm for it. So it definitely helps when you've got a nice moving process with, like, a, a good client. But, yeah, that's it. Like, going into the, like, sort of final stages, like, you'd expect to know if they're going to take the opportunity or, yeah. or, like, something would have to go, like, really badly wrong in that final piece. Um, so, yeah, and then, yeah, no, where you can celebrate with someone after if they are <laughs> local to you, like, ask how, how you're both going to go celebrate or how they're going to celebrate. And then what does Megan do in between the stages where vulnerable to staying at their current company? Well, that's so you said, mm. would, would love to get something and let's celebrate. What, is there anything else that you've found yourself doing leading up to them handing their notice, starting when things can... Yeah, like I've kept in touch with people that have been maybe had had some wobbles. Like to be fair, going back to your earlier question, that is probably a, a something that people miss in that initial thing is like if they're leaving a company, like truly knowing why. Why? Yeah. Yeah, because is it about money? If you get a counter, like probably take it. If it is just purely money, mm. so you definitely need to know know that. Yeah, just just keep, just keep in touch with people, like seeing how they're feeling, like having their their best interests like sometimes it's hard but you just sort of think like put yourself in their shoes like mm. what sort of guidance would you need and want right now and yeah you, sometimes you do just have to like you can't force people to take your 
your offer, your job, like if it's not right for them, like you do have to, I've, I, that's something I've learned. Like you do have to think like, actually, yeah, it's not going to work. Like, mm. but I wish you all the best. Like, and again, those are the situations where giving someone that experience and saying like, yeah, completely, you know, go for the other offer. You know, it's, you're not going to take this. Then they're the ones like that, because I've given them that experience because like I actually care and not just like, not just like pretending to care that that will come full circle to you at some point. And they might be a future hiring manager or, like I said, like recommend you into where they join because they've been so happy with how you've treated them and the experience you've given o- over maybe who even got them that job. Mm. So No, yeah, I know we haven't really granted there, but I think that'd be helpful. Like, yeah. cause Especially the fact that that's clearly, that I'm assuming that's also been in terms of like a source of client opportunity or a hiring manager want to speak to Megan. I'm assuming, you know, one of those consistent solid sources for you over your career has mm-hmm. been people that you delivered a good experience yeah. with refer you in yeah and I think that can often be missed can't it like yeah. that's actually a brilliant way that could always be going on if you just really commit to delivering yeah. a great experience yeah it's true I had like a really full circle moment the other week someone I'd worked with in 2017 when I was just like so early in my career <laughs> and they were sort of like mid-level in their career like they're now like a head of engineering and now we're in talks about helping him build a team but I was just like that's mad like from something you did six years ago mm. you know I've not been in only small touch points with this person but like it will come around like hopefully yeah. you won't have to wait six years but it will come around like it, it is always worth it yeah no yeah just and obviously these things can often be forgotten right just being really committed to creating a world-class experience yeah even if they don't get the job yeah right and they take something else like just being really committed to that and that will play out for you we spoke a lot didn't we about funny obviously saying like six years ago we spoke a lot about when preparing for this about your journey with you know being megan at work Mm -hmm. why don't you talk to us a bit about that because i think like i feel like that's also then gonna you know be hand in hand with you you know being a good manager and a good leader if you truly feel like you know you can be authentic Mm. and be yourself how would you, and, I, and I'm aware like this word authentic, like it can almost be overused now, mm. I feel like. But like looking back, if you were to say, yeah, I wasn't that authentic, what did that actually look like? I think just like, I went through a period of time where before you'd walk in the office, I almost had to like take a deep breath and almost like put on <laughs> a different version of me to adapt to that company and like, and that that's really tiring Mm. like that's really tiring like not being yourself in the day and then finishing work and be like oh right now i can what what did that that mask Mm. do for you like what was you was you sounding different did you have different opinions like what you know when you put that mask on what did that then mean i think it just was like again this is like early stages i think it was just doing what i was told almost like to an extent like feeling like i'm not quite like there yet to be giving advice on how I think that things should be run and things like that. So almost like biting my tongue and just being like subservient mm. to the business and to the role and like, yeah. And, and also like I used to recruit for like hedge funds and banks and I used to have to dress corporate and that is just absolutely not a bit of me. <laughs> so that tied into it as well, yeah, you know, I like I didn't feel like I was being who I wanted to be. And also naturally, right, like I've been in recruitment all my 20s, everyone in their 20s finds out like grows in themselves mm. and like who you actually are from when you're like a teenager so I think that was like an involvement of that as well and then once like I did switch companies it was like oh I can actually be myself like be myself like not what like it took me a little while to realize that actually I can just walk into the office and just be my normal self and not mm. have to like be super 
like corporate and not who I am, really. And then how did that help you? Just made life a lot easier, like less strain on just like your day to day. And it, it just so much easier in life. You can just like be yourself like the whole mm. time and not have to just like constantly be fake. I just think it's draining. Was you concerned about other people's opinions? Yeah, for sure. For Was sure. that a big that, part of it? That's always been a big struggle for me. I think, yeah, there's always like that voice in the back of your head that's like, you're not good enough and things like that. You know, an element of that is like self-pressure, like, and I've learned to deal with the self-talk stems back to having that positive attitude where you're like mm. talking positively to to yourself. But yeah, I think it's all like, I have had to shrug off in recent years, like caring what people think about me. It's hard though, right? Like obviously mm. it's, it's really hard, but yes, that powerful uh, quote of like, no one is you and that is your power. Like I've really try like mantra myself on that and just think like someone doesn't like me that that's none of my business really as mm. long as I you know don't go home and think oh I've actually you know I did something bad but yeah you just got to think like you can't please everyone everyone's gonna, gonna like you or like appreciate your opinions like so that's like always been a bit of a struggle to be fair over, over the years how have you got better at quieting the self-talk what does that actually look like how do you you know you're having a week where you've had a lot of rejection or things haven't gone your way you know, that voice is starting to go, Megan, you're not that good, mate. <laughs> you got here free luck, not yeah. free hard work. You don't deserve to be here. You mm. you know, you've lucked your promotion. Mm. Not sure you should be in this room right now. A real quick one from me, and we'll get straight back into the conversation. Some of you may or may not be aware that I'm also the founder of a business called Hector. Hector is an all-in-one training platform for recruitment founders to maximize team performance. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is because if you are someone that is enjoying this podcast week after week, you might even share this podcast with your colleagues, then I'd love to connect with you. Our training platform is powered by top performers delivering practical training for today's market. We believe training a lot of the time in the recruitment industry is dated, is stale, is delivered by people that did it 5, 10, 15 years ago. And we are completely going against that. So a lot of the people that you're able to learn on this podcast, you're able to learn even more from at Hector. So if you'd love to you know, find out more about how we could potentially help you get more out of your people, ramp up their performance more quickly, then please connect with me on LinkedIn or click the link in the show notes where you'll be able to book a call with us. Let's get straight back into the episode. There's no like easy answer to it. I think I think it made it easier when I became a manager because it was almost like when I was principal, it's like I could have those conversations with myself all day and come in and like be struggling in my mind. But I think having a team, it's like I had to take that massive step up and it's like I have to be the best version of myself every day because they rely on me too. Mm. Like they might be having a bad day. I need to be the one that like gives out my energy to them to make them feel better so I think it's definitely changed over the past couple of years because I've got it's like I have more responsibility mm. and I care about them as well I think like we all have a, like a lockdown story right <laughs> uh, I think like during those times we definitely got into more like just mental health like I feel like I never really like did the self-reflection thought about like how I'm feeling and like mm. I read a lot of books you know, like a Vex King, Jay Shetty, like all around that sort of like, just like the wider aspects of like how your mind works and and everything like that. So I think, yeah, that definitely helped as well. Just doing things to help better yourself. Like you're going to have good days and bad days. Oh yeah. Because that's, 
whenever I struggle mentally, it's the self doubt. Yeah, hundred percent. It's just yeah. like, like that. I just instantly think like I'm gonna fail. Yeah, I've realised my triggers as well. Like if I've had a super busy week where I've been like burning the candle at both ends, as they say, like doing flat out days at work and then I'm doing like social things in the evening, not getting enough sleep, not having my t- like just me time that snowballs by a Friday, like because I'm tired, because I'm run down, mm. then I'm I'm not actually like Friday is sometimes my worst day because I'm just like out of energy. So I think it's like, yeah, like preserve your energy as well. Like I know that's a trigger for me. If something goes wrong on a Friday and I'm in that mood, I'm going to take it way worse. I'm going to speak to myself way worse than I normally would if I'm I'm feeling fresh and healthy. And then as we come to the, the end here then, like I never like to assume people have experienced or felt certain things but I shared with you you know in preparing for this like my experience of reaching out to to women in recruitment about coming on the podcast and yeah you know 50% of women I found that I reach out to sort of their instant responses not sure I'm good enough or why would Mm. people want to listen to my story but 100% of the time when I reach out to guys it's yeah would definitely be up for that correct me if I'm wrong but you're the only female manager in your business yeah so like, what's been your experience? Like, I don't think it's right for me to assume mm. you're a woman, which means you've experienced <laughs> these things, yeah. right? So like, you tell me, because I did a post about it and a lot of people, you know, shared some really interesting things and there's a number of books that I definitely want to check out and read that a lot of people recommended. Like, there's so many things to it, but what's been your journey in building out, you know, this career and being in rooms where you might be the only woman or yeah. just surrounded by men? It is hard. As hard as it is, you have to almost like shrug that I'm a woman. So I'm, it is really, really hard. I've gone through massive, massive struggles on it like previously, but you just have to think like you're there for a reason, like for an absolute reason, like Mm. just because of your like gender, that does not matter. Mm. Again, it comes back to like, you're you, like no no one else you, you've got here. Like sometimes it can be hard, but yeah, let's face it, like recruitment is male dominated. Like I've, all my team is guys that I manage so it's yeah it's, it's hard but I think you just have to like keep um just keep like being really driven and keep wanting to progress yourself and like you're there because you're good at what you do like you have to keep telling yourself that I know it's it can be a difficult thing but you just gotta like almost yeah just like empower yourself and realise like you might be a role model for other people as well. I think that's really important. Mm. Yeah, that's what I always say to people. Like the fact that you feel like that is exactly why we should do this. Or Yeah. Because there'll be other people that feel like that, that you could inspire or be a role model for. Or because that must be tough, right? You know, if you're managing a team of guys, I'm assuming then that means like it, mu- it must be tough. And I'm assuming here, but mm. I can imagine sometimes it must be tough where like you look ahead of you in terms of like, right, I want to be a sales director or director and like there's no, you know, female uh, person in that role or has gone on that journey. Mm. That can sometimes be hard to connect with or like maybe that just, you know, goes into your mind of like, is it possible? Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm with you. You've just got to tell yourself it's possible. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, one of my first managers taught me a quote of like, if not you, then who? If not now, then when? Mm. And that's like st- stuck with me. Like, you just got to think like, just do it for yourself. Like, do it for and like inspire other people. Mm. And yeah, like be be the first. Like, why not? Yeah, like, I love that. Go for it. So what are you doubling down on for the rest of this year? Like, what are you really being mindful of to really try and turn this year around or like really make sure that you end the year on a positive like what are you and the team really remaining focused on doubling down on and making sure you're world class at 
Um, like I said, definitely that network relation piece, like putting time into your week where you're just catching up with people. That's going to be really important. Have multiple different business development strategies. Like don't just focus on one thing. Like sometimes I've got like 20 ideas and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't do all these in one week or one month, but just like break it down, like try new things, be creative. Like if you've been doing the same thing and it's not working, like try something else, Mm. like speak to the people in your business to get, get different ideas. Like, yeah, I think it all comes down to just like doing multiple things but doing them well and where possible just trying to be like different like other value adds as well not it's not just about have you got jobs what else could you like help them with so yeah just doubling down on on that piece we do want to do more events more meetups our product team did one recently like women in product and that was just like amazing like I went to it and it just it just gives you like such a buzz and they've been winning like three, four clients off the back of that, which mm. which is great. So I think just like, yeah, that community piece, network relationships, that's what it's all going to like come down to. Love that. Yeah. Just love that mindset of like, you know, you've been doing this for a while, but you still, you're still very much open-minded and try different things, be open oh, yeah, to doing different yeah. things. It's so important to maintain that. Yeah, for sure. I've done some wacky things to get clients. Like I've gone to an office where they've never even replied to me or picked up my calls, like delivering a gift. Like I photoshopped my face onto like the craziest of things like (laughs) yeah just try something different like you you don't know what could happen Mm. put yourself out there megan it's been a pleasure thank you thank you thank you so much for listening to this week's episode i hope there were plenty of golden nuggets for you to take away As you'll know, I'm your host here of the Recruitment Mentors podcast, but I'm also the founder of Recruitment Mentors. We're a online subscription-based learning and education platform. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their professional goals and successfully progress their careers through modern and engaging online learning. If you're a recruitment business owner listening to this, there's a good chance that you value self-development, personal development. You're trying to develop a culture of continuous improvement. But we've partnered with a number of grown recruitment companies who were struggling to understand how they can invest more in their people, how they can upskill them more quickly without spending more time, without having to spend thousands of pounds of external trainers. And we've ended up being a really great fit, modern fit for recruitment teams. We can ultimately help you get more out of your teams by giving your people access to modern and engaging online learning, which they can access on demand. The thing that's really cool about what we're doing at Recruitment Mentors is that all of the people that your teams are able to learn from and the people that are delivering the learning content are people that are in role right now. They're billing, they're actively facing the challenges that your teams are, and a lot of the time they're amongst the top performers within their companies, which means your teams are going to be way more confident to learn and spend time on their learning when they know they're learning from people that are doing it right now, have been there and done it. It's nothing worse than feeling like training is not relevant and not current. The best place to find out more about Recruitment Mentors and if we can help you accelerate your team's performance is uh, send me a message on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn directly and I'd love to connect with you and, and find out if we can help you get more out of your people.